Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. All right, this week's reviewer of the week is CFGOUS. And if I was supposed to pronounce that, I am so sorry. But it <laughs> says priceless. I loved listening to this podcast in the months leading up to my first birth. The hosts are so thoughtful, funny, and well-informed, and I enjoyed and took something from each episode. Thank you for offering this information in this format to the world. Thank you so much for leaving that um, wonderful review, and I absolutely love podcasting. Courtney and I talk about it all yep. the time. We are teachers by nature. Um, instead of it being so, like, structured and, you know, nice <laughs> and orderly as it is in the birth course, it's nice to just, like, talk to women. Relax. And, and yes, yeah. have a community that you're speaking to. So thank you so much. Now, you would think that with how much we're going to mention the word poop in this episode that we're talking <laughs> about, like, newborn poop or baby poop or poop when you're pregnant. But it's no, guys, <laughs> we're, we're talking about pushing. Put Push it real good. We get a lot of questions about this. How do I push? I just, I'm worried I'm not going to know what to do. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot that we would want to show you. I mean, demonstration. Um, but you're only listening to us and you can't see us. Thank goodness, because we're both <laughs> in sweats today. Um, but we're going to try and give you as much information as we can through listening and um, hopefully give you a little bit more confidence heading into the pushing stage of birth. Yeah. And after we're finished with this, and we always encourage you, but please hit us up on Instagram in the DMs or send us an email at hello at myessentialbirth.com. If you guys have questions or you're, you can't visualize something that we are talking about and you would like to see it, we're happy to do a live. We're happy to answer questions in the DM. We'll do it on stories. You just got to let us know what you need. All right. So when it comes to pushing, there's really two main approaches. The first would be a birth team directed pushing stage, right? This is where you have, you know, nurses or doctors or people who are telling you what to do, how to do it, coaching you through that. They're usually counting, there's cheering involved, right? Um, the second approach to pushing is mother directed. You're kind of calling the shots, what position you're in, when you're ready to push, how you're going to push for how long, if you're holding your breath or not, you just kind of run the show in that regard. Let's talk about pros and cons to each because I do feel like even though a lot of people are going to be like, well, mother directed, obviously. And yeah, we kind of agree. There is a pro to birth team directed pushing. So especially we see this with moms who've had an epidural and they can't necessarily feel the fullness or the pressure or where or when to push. Having somebody say or push against that area and say, push here, bear down, take a couple of breaths. This contraction is coming. Take a few deep breaths curl over, bear down, push, one, two, three. Sometimes that can be really useful for a mom, especially with an epidural. On top of that, a little direction can be a benefit sometimes, especially for first-time moms. You haven't done this before. It's okay that it's not completely intuitive. That's okay. Giving a little bit of direction might be a great benefit to you, and then you can actually jump on top of those contractions and have some power over it yourself. There are some drawbacks, however, to this sort of birth team-directed pushing, and one of the big ones that we 
see often is purple-faced pushing. And it has this nickname because we see moms who are trying their best to follow the directions that the birth team is giving them in regard to pushing, hold your breath, push, 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 go, 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 that their face gets all scrunched up and they're pushing so hard and holding their breath that their face actually kind of goes from a natural shade to something maybe red or a little bit purple. We've even seen women um, bust capillaries in their eyes and get mm. kind of bloodshot from the strain and the pressure of pushing as hard as they are. I've, I've actually seen women who have pulled their back muscles Holy and neck, cow. like had to get adjusted, and it took a couple weeks when you've also got a newborn. Obviously, these are extremes, but it's real. It yeah, can happen. it is. Because a lot of times in these situations, you're told to hold your breath for some arbitrary number of seconds, usually 10, right? And then they'll say, take one more breath and 10, don't stop, keep going, keep going. This can interfere with the oxygen uptake for you as well as your baby because you're still their source of oxygen, right? And if you're holding your breath like that and pushing so hard, it interferes with oxygen. It can also interfere with blood pressure for mom. Um, you may not be ready to push. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And so this sort of approach can lead to hours of exhausting, ineffective pushing. Well, and this is like the time where we see them usually put mom on oxygen as mm -hmm. well. When You've seen pushing. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Over their face, oxygen. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. yeah. So Steph, you mentioned that they can strain and hurt their back, but they can also really damage their pelvic floor like this. And it's more likely this sort of... Um, birth team directed pushing stage can also is more likely to lead to tearing. Well, and I'll tell you from experience, the part of that is because a lot of moms who have epidurals are put in a semi reclined position, mm -hmm. which isn't the worst thing in the world. But the more leaned forward you can be, the less likely you are to tear. The more in a squatting position, a natural squatting position you can be and up over your legs, over your body and in some way, the better chance you're going to have at not hurting that area or tearing that area. But I'll also tell you, the longer you're pushing and straining down there from personal experience, the the more healing you're going to have to do. Yep. It hurts a little more. Walking is a little harder. Swelling is more. Bleeding, it might be a little more. So. Oh, hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids. Women push so hard <laughs> that they kind of... They pop a hemorrhoid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want that. So let's talk about the second approach, and that's mother-directed pushing. Can we... This is like... Why don't men have to do, like, <laughs> popping hemorrhoids? We're throwing our backs out to have these babies. Like, can we have a moment here? I was just thinking, I'm like, how many guys, you know, pop a hemorrhoid? That's like a common conversation for women. <laughs> Why? Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Okay, side note. All right, mother-directed pushing. I'm, why don't you do the pros since I, mean, I want to make you do cons on both of them? Okay, all right. So the pros to this, obviously, um, and we feel this is the ideal, is that when you are able to pick when you push, and how you push following your body's natural urges, um, and everyone in the room is encouraging you to follow those natural urges, this is going to lead to better outcomes. You're going to have effective and more efficient pushing. You're going to have um, less or no damage to your pelvic floor and perineum. Um, same thing with your back and the swelling and things like we talked about. It allows for a more natural flow of oxygen for mom and baby. And let's be honest, if you're not exhausting yourself pushing, you're going to have more um, energy with which to greet your new little baby. I just noticed there are no cons. And I was <laughs> like, like normally we have like a pros and cons list, but I, I'm trying to go over in my head and I'm like, I don't. I can't think really of any. Know. Like the only thing I can come up with is like 
back to the pros of the other one is like you might appreciate some, but it doesn't make some it a con direction. Of, of mother directed. So yeah. sorry, mother no directed cons. pushing wins. Okay, so Courtney mentioned that we were going to be talking a lot about poop. Here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> We're such losers. Okay. <laughs> so to give you an example of the differences from the perspective of something like pooping, um, we imagine, have you ever been in a situation when you're like, I got to go to the bathroom in 10 seconds because it's about to go down, right? Have you ever been there? Did okay, I like can I? kill how I... No, no, listen. So I'm laughing because there was a news article. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. You guys have to see the news clip. Of There was a bomb threat called into like a Walmart oh bathroom. Gosh. Because apparently a guy oh, I saw that. In. It was Home Depot. Home Depot, right? <laughs> and the guy's like, I'm about to blow it up in here. Like as he sits down on the commode. And apparently a bunch of people laughed like they knew he was referring to, I'm about to drop a massive deuce. But apparently somebody took the phrase, I'm about to blow it up in here and literally thought he was going to set off a bomb and it called in a bomb threat. And apparently police were called to this scene and it ended up being really funny. Well, first of all, he knew it was time. <laughs> he waited for the urge to poo. <laughs> he was able to warn people and it sounded like he was going to be pushing fairly hard, right? Not, not father directed. That was going <laughs> to so good. Oh, that's going to be a link in the show notes because we mentioned it. You're going to love it. You have to read that. Anyway, back to our analogy yes. here. Yes. So if you've ever been in a situation where you really, really have to go and you're like, I've got to get in there now. I'm going to drop my pants and that'll be it. You can't help it. Your body is going to poo. That would be like waiting for an overwhelming urge to push in birth. I can't help it. My body is birthing this baby. It's pushing it out. That kind of an urge. Yeah, these right? These are the examples like the nurse comes in and they're like, don't push, don't push, don't push. And you're yeah, like, you, I uh, can't help baby's it. coming. Sorry. Yeah. So the opposite of this would be like if you're constipated or you don't need to poop and yet somebody says you've got to sorry you've got like how easily can you make that happen when you don't need to right so in birth this would be like they can coach you all they want to but it's really just going to lead to lots of straining exhaustion and little to show for it after some time if you're not feeling that urge to push okay. yeah and sometimes that's swelling right like we've seen mm -hmm. that where if you're pushing too early or if they direct you to push too early especially moms with epidurals you can swell that perineal yep. area you can swell your cervix and, and then that not actually, be 10 centimeters yes and so that can actually create a problem so there is there is a little bit of um i'd say a science but there's some intuition that needs to happen here right and so just because you're 10 centimeters dilated does not mean it's time to push why not steph because a lot of it has to do with how high or low your baby is and so even if you're dilated completely if baby's head is up high they still have some movement that needs to happen and we see this a lot um, at hospitals with mom with epidurals that they're like push 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 but if you're at home or a birth center or you don't have an epidural oftentimes you're asked to wait allow that urge to, to happen allow baby to come down and the best ways to do that are to get up and moving like yeah. we joke all the time do you know poop with on a handstand like do a handstand and try and poop how like <laughs> obviously you're not birthing a baby in a handstand but same lay down down, lay down and try it. Nobody's going to do that. You're up and over yourself. You're kind of holding your breath sometimes. You feel an urge. There's, it's kind of, you don't, I mean, I had a woman come up to me during a birth. She was nice, but she was coming to do a cesarean and we had mentioned, you know, well, maybe can we lift her up a little more upright or maybe get her walking some. And she goes, if gravity were such a thing, we'd have babies falling out all over the place. And I'm like, did you really just 
Safe? Like what? Oh my god! What gosh. gravity is a thing, and it does help push your baby down. Otherwise, you'd be doing it in weird positions. So. Yeah, it's kind of like when you go to put your shoes on to go work out, and suddenly you're like, "Oh, I gotta go! I gotta go number two. Please mm-hmm. tell me I'm not the only one this happens to." Nope. Right? And so I think you get upright, you get moving a little bit, and things also start moving and yeah. moving down. Yeah. So if you did nothing to help your body with pushing. Guess what, guys? Your body would still birth your baby all on its own. In fact, your body is so amazing at this without a lot of outside interference. So think, for example, of a mom who's having an unintentional out-of-hospital birth, right? right? They um, Maybe they labor too long at home or things are just moving really quickly. They're driving in the car to their birthplace. And this mom is really worried about having her baby in the car I can assure you she's probably trying her best not to push. (laughs) Stay in, stay in. Stay in, stay in. And yet the baby arrives all on their own. Why? Because your body and your baby can technically kind of do it without you Mm. um, if they needed to. What we're trying to get at is there's going to come a point where you can't help it. Your body is pushing at the start of the contraction and not just at the peak. And that's what you're looking for. That's That's what you want to feel. Yeah. Yeah. So um, especially moms who are having an unmedicated birth, you get to experience this all full out, okay? Um, Moms with an epidural, and especially and hopefully if you've let it wear off a bit or if it's had time to wear off a bit, you'll often feel like that fullness or the pressure. Um, I'll tell you for myself, when I had my baby at home and I had never experienced the pushing until my third baby, I remember feeling that first pushing contraction. And it, it did happen at the peak, but and I was on the toilet and I was like, Michael, I don't want to have my baby on the toilet. I was like, it's coming because I hadn't experienced before. I didn't really know how long. Yeah. Four and a half hours later. And Courtney and I, well, don't worry. This likely won't be your story. Like I had some mental blocks and there were some other things going on. Yeah. But the point is, like, it, it does have to get to a different place. Like, it's not yeah. just the very first time you feel like it's time to push. For some women, it will be. Um, yeah. But for others, it, it can take some time. It can take 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Like, there's there's an ebb and flow to that, too. Yeah. No, I would say with each of my pregnancies, and I had pretty quick labors and pretty straightforward ones, it still took me um, – 30 to 45 minutes to push until we got to like babies three and four. And Mm. by that point, my body's like, oh, here we go. Pop them out. (laughs) Pop them out, right? (laughs) So what we really, really recommend doing, this is your takeaway up to this point in the podcast, is provided you're doing okay and your baby's doing okay, their heart tones are good and reassuring, we really recommend that you wait, even if you're 10 centimeters dilated, until you've reached that point. I can't help it urge to push or this fullness and pressure, I can feel it. That's if you've had an epidural. Until that point, just rest. Keep a peanut ball between your legs. And um, once you've reached that point, here are our tips for pushing. And really, they're quite simple. They're very intuitive. And to help you reach that point, I feel like guttural sounds that Mm -hmm. are not forceful are really helpful. So instead of the like, "Mm," where you can hear that's like a push or maybe a siren. I don't know what that was. Anyways, (laughs) um, it's like this, uh, you know, you're like allowing that to build. You're giving it a little bit of pressure, but you're not giving it a full on push. Yeah. It's like you're exhaling, you know, you're breathing normally and there's a little kind of to it and you keep, yeah, just breathe through it. Exactly. So tip number one, Choose a position that's going to allow your tailbone to move freely. 
Normally that's going to be something a little more upright. We see it in a, a squat or an asymmetric squat or on your side, hands and knees, maybe leaning over something. Um, and what's cool is that each of those positions can actually be done in a hospital bed. But the great part about it is it creates a lot more space and it's way better on your back, your hips, your pelvic floor, your perineum. So it's just opening those that hip, that pelvic area so that you have more space and that baby can move through there a little more comfortably. Um, you also want to make sure you have a provider that's on board with delivering in a position that's not necessarily your typical semi-reclined on your back in a hospital bed position. So if you have a provider that's kind of giving you some back and forth on that, um, I look for a different one, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, again, this is a conversation that needs to happen right. well before your birth. So one of the questions you would ask is, are you comfortable with me delivering in a position that's not, you know, classic semi-reclined? Can I be squatting on the bed? Can I be on my hands and knees draped over the back of the bed as, you know, is that okay? Do you require me to be on the bed at all? You know, I've seen some OBs, they're great. I've seen one get down on the floor, yes. laying down on the floor, of the hospital, and I'm sure he was like, great, this is really clean, mm -hmm. um, to catch a baby. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Maybe they're not willing to get down on the floor, but they're like, yeah, as long as you're on the bed, I, I don't care what position you push in. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great writer. But the point is, is that if you're coming up against, some, it's, a, it's a preference. Mm -hmm. there, there's no position they really can't deliver in. And so that's preference for them. Um, but that said, if a classic position or that semi-reclined position actually does feel really good for you, then go for it. This is the whole, the whole point here is that you have some preference. I do want to say though, that I think it's really important for partners to be aware of the mm -hmm. different positions that you can get into, because it's likely that even as you're getting ready to push or you start pushing, you're not going to want to move from whatever position you're in, even if that move is going to feel better in the long run. So they have to know different positions to offer and to be offering them and help you you get into them so that you can try different ones as you go. Well, and I learned something new the other day. We're always learning. Steph and I are always trying to research new things and what are the latest studies regard to birth. I didn't know, apparently you did because we talked about this, <laughs> that when you're pulling your legs back, it's really best and ideal if your ankles are out wider than your knees. And that just has to do with the space you're creating for baby. Tip number two, when you feel that overwhelming urge to push at the start of a contraction, Take a couple of deep breaths and then push. We often get asked, well, should I hold my breath? And the answer is, I know it's not like what you want to hear, but it's really up to you. Um, I think in the moment, you'll you'll sort of figure out what feels best. For me, I found that I naturally held my breath a bit, um, sometimes exhaling a little as I pushed. And the advantage to this is that when you hold your breath, even a little bit, it creates a more forceful push. Um, and that can be used in moving baby through the birth canal. You can actually test this theory next time you're on the toilet, right? You can. There, we're talking about poop again. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> I think I think the reason it's such a good um, comparison is that you're using the exact same muscles. And baby pushes on the same reflex muscle, the thing that tells you it's time to push anyways. Like when you poop or when baby's coming down and they're ready to be pushed out. So yeah, you can practice this on the toilet. So try um, holding your breath and giving a little push and then try um, just breathing normal, but exhaling as you go while pushing, right? So, and you're going to hear a difference in sounds too, right? You're going to feel that little pocket of air. It just feels a little more forceful when you're sort of holding your breath, right? <laughs> 
I can't believe I just did that on a podcast. Whereas if I'm breathing normally and I'm exhaling, here we go. I'm going to do it again. You can still be breathing while you're pushing. You'll just notice that one has a bit more force behind it. So I found that I typically used the naturally holding my breath a little bit in the beginning when baby was still maybe a little bit higher in the birth canal, um, just to kind of get them moving through there. It is going to be a two steps forward one step back kind of thing. Baby will move forward a bit, and then when the contraction's over, they might slide back just a little bit. That's normal. Uh, Feel free to practice this in the bathroom as well, but especially when we're talking about labor and it's push time, um, not everything should be tensed and tough and rough. We want the focus, the aim, the energy to be low down in the perineal area, pushing that out. And so focus really, really well on allowing your face, your jaw muscles to be loose, your um, like no tension in your shoulders and your arms, even your back. Try and let that relax. You're still likely leaning forward or in some kind of forward leaning position. Maybe even you're, you're pulling your legs back, but everything should be nice, loose, relaxed, and all that energy should be downstairs. Right. When we, if somebody were to take a picture of you pushing, we shouldn't see a bunch of facial muscles totally scrunched and tight together and fists clenched or anything like that. We want to make sure the energy is going to the right place. Um, our next tip is to rest completely in between contractions. That means laying back a little bit, that's fine, but you're going to want to get water, um, maybe some cool washcloths if you're overheated. This can kind of help happen sometimes if you're in a tub giving birth. Um, Your lips may be a little bit dry from all this pushing. Mm. Get some chapstick. These are the things your birth partner or doula should be doing for you, ensuring that you've got that. And if you've had kind of a longer stage of labor, you've been laboring for a while, maybe you don't want water. Maybe you want some juice, something and kind of get your blood sugar up a little bit. But make sure you're resting in between those contractions because while we hope that these tips will help you have effective and efficient pushing stage, you could be pushing for a couple hours and that wouldn't be abnormal and you want to make sure you're rested. And along with that, if you have had kind of a a longer labor or you're feeling exhausted, it's totally normal actually to even take a nap in between contractions. You can fall asleep. You can dream. It's kind of like an interesting place to be. And so that's just another reminder for partner to make sure that they're kind of giving you a little uh, rub or whispering in your ear, contractions coming, take a deep breath, something like that. Because these contractions, you guys, in second stage, they do start, they space out. And I feel like your body is just so, the way everything was designed is so cool because I think our creator knew that we would need a little bit of a break, a little more time in between those contractions because they are more effortful than just relaxing and trying not to do anything during first stage. Okay, another thing to talk about when baby is crowning and likely whoever is there with you helping you birth your baby is going to be talking you and walking you through this. But this is a time when we actually want to be a little more gentle with whatever pushing or easing that we're doing. It needs to be like a gentle ease, getting their head over the perineum. So it's little pushes, maybe light, quick exhales can help. Um, At that point, I feel like it's good to have somebody directing a little bit, helping you walk through that spot. Um, And as baby moves through there and that area stretches, I don't know that I love this term, but they they call it the ring of fire or like just think of it as like this great intense stretching, but it's kind of a a small burning sensation. It's very quick, just usually during one contraction. Um, And it's just the stretching of those those muscles and, and skin so that baby can just kind of 
get breathed like right over it and slip through. And in fact, if you were to open your mouth super tall, wide, as much as you can, you would start to feel a little bit of that sensation at the corners of your mouth, just that tremendous stretching and pulling. That's really all it is, just in a different part of your body. <laughs> all right, so you do all this work. You ease baby's head over the perineum, and that's your first experience of some relief. That feels really good. But you still have the shoulders to go. <laughs> Which are a lot easier than the head. <laughs> and sometimes for some babies, I've even for seen most babies, it's also the right? butt, too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Depending on if your baby has a little booty, um, yes. you might need to give a little extra uh, push to get the bum out, too. <laughs> but then they're there. They're delivered to your tummy or your chest. It's an incredible feeling. We've talked about it before. Um, it's it's normal to feel many, many things all at once, right? Relief, euphoria, exhaustion, gratitude for being done. Like, it's, it's a lot. It's everything. So what can you do now so that you can prepare? Um, we want you to get into your head to be dead set on listening to your body. And you can practice that now during pregnancy and not just with pushing things. Um, <laughs> listen to when you need food, when you need water, when you need rest. And um, listening to your body now will help you to listen to it when it's pushing time. But the great thing about moving into that second stage is the feelings that come over your body. Like instead of the entire first part of birth where you're, you're getting out of the way, your job is to relax even though your body's doing these crazy things. The second part is really where you wake up again, you have a new refreshed energy, you know you're going to meet your baby, you're way more involved in the birth process, and you can just listen to what your body needs. Um, make sure that you're practicing all the second stage positions now. If you're in the birth course, you're going to have all that there. If you're not, come join us. We actually just did a live labor rehearsal, and we included all the pushing things. Um, so keep an eye on, on, on knowing what that is, and make sure that your partner knows, because they need to be able to help you into those things. Affirmations can also, I just wanted to mention, go a long way in helping you to trust yourself and tune into your body. I've heard a lot of women use the affirmation, my body knows how to birth my baby. I know how to birth my baby. I trust my intuition. I trust that I will be led and guided. Whatever you need to be saying to yourself, I promise it will pay off in dividends during birth if you can start getting that in your head now. And really, I think that's wonderful for all women, pregnant or not, to be telling themselves that you trust yourself. You trust that you'll be led and guided to know what to do. Um, another thing you can do now to prepare is just like what we mentioned earlier, next time you're in the bathroom, experiment, test what we mean. <laughs> try holding your breath, try not. What does it feel like when you really, really have to go, you have that urge to go versus when you're straining and trying to force something that's just not ready. Um, pay attention to those and keep Yeah, or even mind. like lean your head back, right? And like yeah. breathe. It's different than like you do naturally curl when you're pooping. Like yeah. it's a natural thing. I will tell you, I have assisted at least a couple of my children when they've been constipated. Oh, me too. With pooing. And it's funny because my instincts turn me to birth positions. Um, I know mm -hmm. it's going to sound weird, but you know, if they're sitting normally with their feet on we the floor. We call it the Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll have them, you know, get their knees up, use a squatty potty. Let's apply some oil. Now just relax. Just hang out there. I'll bring you an iPad. Like, wait for it to come. All these things, you guys, are still super useful during birth. I No, that's not a joke. Our, I won't tell you which child for the sake of his privacy, but Same. I was very much into my doula-ing and yeah. all of that. And I, I coached him through yep. some like rough times until we got things under control. <laughs> it's real, okay? It's like a, a, a poop doula. <laughs> 
I'm going to call myself that the next time they call. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping they're nearing the age where they really don't need my help with it's this anymore. It's a new anymore. hashtag. We're Maybe I've coached them enough that they now know how to coach themselves. Or each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. Child-directed pooing. We'll start a new trend. My favorite is the like sitting, waiting for it to come. And I don't know about you, but we, our kids like sing on the toilet. And whatever <laughs> we've heard recently, if it's a Minecraft song or a Taylor Swift, what's, oh, oh or Frozen. Let it go. That's, I'm like, mm hmm. Yep. See, it's an affirmation. They're just telling themselves, I can do this. Let it go. Release. Turn anyway. away and slam the door. <laughs> slam the door so nobody has to yeah. hear or smell or what smell you're doing it. in there. Please tell us we're not the only ones whose kids have these problems. I'm suddenly feeling very sheepish. Oh, no. You guys, we hope those were helpful tips that are bringing you more confidence heading into the pushing stage of birth. We love you. We're grateful for you. We're grateful to have you in our community, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.